How's everyone doing this morning? That was the comments online. Now, how's everyone here doing? There we go. <laughs> How good. If you're joining us online, we just want to say welcome as well. Uh, hopefully, you can jump in the comments and a few amens. I feel it in the spirit. Uh, but it's going to be a good morning this morning. Why don't we pray? And we're just going to jump straight into the Word. Lord God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to open your Word, to learn from your Word. And I pray this morning that uh, as, we, as we open it, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, Father, that you would truly speak to us this morning. You would realign our hearts to your Word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How good. How good. Thank you, band, as well, sneaking off the side there. We have a great creative team. Can we just thank our creative team for a second? <laughs> Pastor Jesse and Camille do an incredible job and the whole team. So good. Well, we're going we're gonna to delve into something a little bit challenging this morning. And I say that because it's been keeping me up this week. And uh, it's been a challenge for me. So we're going to take this journey together. We're just going to unpack something. But first, I, I want to ask a question. And it's who knows that when someone asks a question... There's often something behind the question that's probably more important than the question itself. Yeah? Anyone experience that? I'll give you some examples. It's kind of like that guy that you don't speak to very often, but you know when he's calling, he's probably going to want a couch moved. And his first question isn't, can you help me move a couch? It's, hey, what are you up to this weekend? There's always a question behind the question. Or maybe, maybe... Um, you're downstairs and it's cricket season and, and cricket goes for a long time, but it's, it's important to see the whole thing. You can't move. You have to watch it. And then I hear a voice from the kitchen asking, wow, gee, have you seen how long the grass is at the moment? Now, what my amazing wife is not asking is have I experienced the, the wonder of the long grass in our backyard what she's actually asking is, when are you going to cut the grass that's very long? Who's experienced that one? Yeah, okay, all right. We're getting there. Or this one, this one hurts. This one hurts. You get up, you're going out, it's going to be a great day, and you hear these words. Is that what you're wearing out? Yeah, Ray. It's a <laughs> Jan said amen a little too loud for that one. I'm sorry, mate. But to be fair, that last one is probably 90% required most of the time. But the point is that there's a, there's a question behind the question all the time, all the time. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the same question, more or less the same question that Jesus has asked three times throughout the Gospels. And, and I am really believing that it's going to challenge the intent or how we approach our faith in Jesus. Because the question is relatively the same and the response from Jesus is the same. But the intent behind each of the askers is very, very different. And so we're going to unpack this a little bit this morning. I've entitled this message, if you're taking notes, why do you ask? Why do you ask? So why don't you turn to Matthew 22 with me this morning. We're going to start there. And uh, just a little bit of context, basically what's happening here is there's two groups of religious leaders and they're both taking pot shots at Jesus trying to get him to slip up. 
And so the Pharisees step up to the plate. They ask a question of Jesus, and Jesus shuts them down so they walk away pretty, pretty dejected. They regroup. They're over in the corner. And then the Sadducees come out, and then they ask a question to Jesus, and they're trying to trick him and try to get him to step out of line so then they could pin something on him. And Jesus shuts them down even faster, and so they walk away even further. They're, not, they're probably not even coming back. But the Pharisees, God bless them, they come back with a second question. And so we're going to pick it up. In verse 36, where the Pharisees have come back and they ask this question of Jesus. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's a little radical. When we ask why the experts have asked this question, it becomes pretty clear that their intent was to maintain the status quo, to keep things how they've always been. And this Jesus comes along and he's messing everything up, ruining everything. They had it pretty good. They had it pretty sorted. They, they knew what they needed to do, and they did it, and they looked all polished on the outside, and this, this Jesus guy comes along, and they just need to try to get rid of him. He was disrupting their groove, challenging the foundation of their very personal and, and cultural identities. He was just making a mess, to be honest, and people were following him, and this was not good news for all of the different camps of religious leaders at the time, and see, but where the last two questions, you can go back and read it in chapter 22. They were designed to trip up Jesus to get him to say something heretical. This question was clever because this is actually a great question. One of the greatest two commandments. If we truly wanted to know, if we truly wanted to follow Jesus, who reckons that's a pretty decent question to ask? But what's the difference? See, what they were trying to do here, they were actually trying to polarize Jesus. Because if he answered this question a certain way, then he's just another one of those guys in that camp over there, and we can disregard him altogether. Because we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they didn't get on. Because the Pharisees, they were very, they believed in the spiritual realities of Scripture. There was was afterlife, there was demons, there was angels, there was all of this stuff. There was a spiritual aspect to life. But the Sadducees were a bit more secular. Well, they didn't believe so much in all of that stuff, but they still followed the cultural uh, uh, law and they still followed the law. They didn't have a belief in afterlife. They didn't have a belief in a lot of the spirituality of what Scripture talked about. And so there's two camps. There's two sides of a debate. And here the Pharisees trying to get Jesus to say something that's going to tie him to a certain side. That doesn't sound familiar at all. They tried to get him to pick a side. Because if they did, one side could turn around and say, well, he's just another one of them. If you pick the other side, then that side could turn around, he's just another one of them. But Jesus does not pick a side in this moment. And he doesn't pick a side at all. The truth supersedes any idea or opinion of humankind. And that truth cannot be disproved as we see these clowns found out when they had no comeback. 
In fact, if you keep reading, and it is very entertaining, Jesus asks them a question which no one can answer, funnily enough. And then he spends the next chapter totally shredding these guys, absolutely tearing them apart. Sons of snakes, you pack of vipers, you hypocrites. It's amazing. It's great. Totally tears them apart because they were so steeped in their way that they were missing the way altogether that was standing right in front of them. Cruise control is a great invention. It's fantastic. I'm a fan of cruise control. But what I find is I sometimes just get into not only cruise control speed on my car, I just get cruise control directions. So if it's been a long day and I know that I need to go to some other place that isn't my house and I get in my car and I start driving, I could get halfway to my house before I realize that's not where I'm actually meant to go. I'm meant to turn around and I'm actually meant to meet someone over this place for dinner and now I'm halfway home because I get in my car and I just flick into cruise control. Who's with me there? Anyone experience that? See, these guys are essentially the equivalent of that. They've just gotten in, they're they're going their way, they're so focused on it, they're so just wrapped up in the, the, the groove of life that they're heading a certain direction and then you have someone in front of them saying, aren't you actually meant to go this way? And they're saying, no, I'm going this way. Totally missed the point, totally on cruise control, going the direction they've always gone because they've always gone that way. But then Jesus is in front of them saying, you've missed the point all together. They try to deal with Jesus because they're interpreting the convictions in the truth he was speaking as offense. Instead of being changed by the truth that was being said by Jesus, they interpreted that as offense. How dare you say that? They missed it all together. Why? Because it would cost them too much to surrender to the fullness of these two commands. It would cost them too much. They would no longer be on the top. They would no longer be the most wealthy. They would no longer be the most influential because they'd have to give all that up because these two commands are love God with everything you have and also love your neighbor the same. That's radical. That's absolutely radical. And it's so easy to say, what a pack of wallies. If I was there, I would have known. But friends, we are all too, e- all too often just as quick to shut down the move of God in our lives if it asks more of us than we're willing to surrender. We're all too easy to push the pause button on what Jesus is doing on our lives if it asks too much of us. Just put that over in that box over there. He didn't really mean that. Are you sure? We cannot escape the radical nature of Jesus' answer. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Why does he make a point of saying all three times? Because sometimes humankind are just thick. We just take a little bit. Sometimes we're a little bit too slow. 
So he says all three times just to try to drive that point home that it's not just all of this area of my life, all of that area of my life, and, and not so much of that one. No, it's all of all of all. It's everything. How can we give it all? Because we gave up everything when we said we would follow him and now it's all his anyway. The old is gone, the new has come. It's all his. It is all his. Let's flick over to Luke. Chapter 10. And we'll pick it up in verse 25. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? A little bit different. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? This is how the expert replies. The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. See, he's worded a little bit different, but the response is the same. And this means that the two greatest commandments are the way to eternal life. They're one and the same. They're interchangeable. The expert knew what was required. He went to kids' church. He knew it was back on. He knew his stuff. And he knew what the most important things to do up here. Jesus seconds this and says, good on you for knowing it. Now go do it. Okay, now this is a problem. Because he knew it. I feel like this might have been his, his thought process. Because in verse 29, it says, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So I, I, this is the Nathan version, so just flick over to that version for a second in your Bible apps. Um, if you Google it, if you're joining us online, it'll come up for sure. This is, this is what I think as far as I can tell this guy's thought process was. Wait a minute, that's, that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty radical, Jesus. What you're saying is pretty extreme. The, the implications of those statements taken literally would mean that all I have is not mine. It all belongs to God, and by extension, it belongs to everyone around me who might need it. My, my headspace, my physical resource... And all my spiritual attention is not actually mine. But if, if I add it up, just give me. That would equal 100%. I, I know the answer, so I know that I'm righteous. Because I know the answer. Obviously. But just to clarify, could you confirm my righteousness by telling me what you really mean by neighbor? Just, just to confirm that I am right and therefore I am righteous. 
See, his intent behind this question was to find the bare minimum. It was to find the bare minimum. Because how can a statement that is true truly be true fully? Follow? That's what this guy's saying. Then Jesus addresses this guy with the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you haven't heard it before, it goes a little bit like this. A guy was strolling along and he gets beat up by a bunch of bandits and left on the side of the road. A priest walks past, notices him, had somewhere better to be, keeps walking. A temple assistant walks past him, had something better to do, kept walking. Then a Samaritan walks past, not only helps him there, but picks him up, takes him to an inn, pays extra, 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 makes sure he's all covered, he's fully treated, and says, if you need any more, make sure you give me a buzz. Now, so a Samaritan in this scenario, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be a thing. Culturally, these guys didn't mix at all. There was no obligation culturally to do this. There was no, he didn't have to. In fact, he shouldn't have because the, the Jewish people and the Samaritan, like they were, Jewish people were the, the snobs to the Samaritans and the Samaritans were heathens and, 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 and heretical to the, they didn't get on. That's the point. And this guy still helps them. And then Jesus asked, who was the neighbor in this story? And this guy said, the Samaritan man. So let's play a little game. Did in this story, the band, who, who was paying attention? Did the bandits do anything in this story? Yeah, they did something. Was what they did in the wrong? Yeah. Did the two people who walked past do anything in this story? Well, they walk past. We can count that as doing, but in the, in the spirit of the point that I'm trying to make, they didn't do anything to help. And, and was this wrong? Yes. Okay, great. We're on the same page. I just want to check my notes before I keep, um, make sure we're all good. Uh, so that means it's a sin to do something you know you shouldn't. Okay, you shouldn't beat someone up. But it's, it's also a sin to not do what you know you should. Ooh, I just got chills. That one hurts. So there's sins of commission when you do something you shouldn't. There's sins of omission when you don't do something you should. So your neighbor, if we're taking Jesus, I find it a decent thing to listen to him. Um, but it doesn't make it any easier. Because what Jesus is saying here is your neighbor is everyone that happens to insect, uh, intersect your life in some way, and your responsibility is to give them everything they need with no regard to the cost to yourself, because all you have is God's anyway, and we're on his checking account, and that's like triple diamond, double platinum, like no interest. So you can keep loading that thing up. Gee, doesn't that hurt? I'm not even trying to be funny now. That doesn't make me feel good at all. Because that is radical. That's insane. Because I have stuff. And I like my stuff. And I like to think it's my stuff. But it's not my stuff. It's God's stuff. 
And I have a responsibility to love my neighbor just like I love him with everything that I have. And everything that I have is his anyway. See, we can't read the Bible and come to the conclusion that it's not radical. Now, I'm not for a moment suggesting that we forsake wisdom altogether. But I, I, I think too often we can disguise convenience and fear and selfishness as wisdom to maintain our sense of righteousness. And I say that with all humility. I think it's very easy to disguise some of these other things that we need to give over to God as wisdom. Just so we can sleep at night and, like this guy, justify our righteousness. See, the truth cannot be disproved and uh, disproved, and, and here we see that the truth cannot be sidestepped. And we're all too often, all too often, just as quick to look for the bare minimum. As long as we can call ourselves righteous and we can guarantee a spot in the paradise in the sky, we can do the bare minimum. Like, let me tell you, friends, in the kingdom of God, there is no bare minimum. There's no minimum checkbox. There's no bronze level, silver level, gold level, platinum level. What are we called to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, Jesus says at the end, do this and you will live. Not know this and you will live. Do this and you will live. I told you this one kind of, it's a tough one. Because this, this is, this is radical. This is crazy. And this is what the religious teachers couldn't wrap their heads around because they were so set in their way. Then we flick over to Mark, chapter 12. We'll pick it up in verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing and listening to the debate that was going on. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And listen to the interaction afterwards. 
The teacher of religious law replied, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that these are the, uh, uh, that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required by the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Different, very different. Because here's a man who saw the truth in Jesus and when he asked this question, his intention was altogether different. It was to encounter the truth. His intention was to encounter the truth. The teacher's eyes were open to the truth within Jesus, which prompted him to earnestly ask this question. See, to be close to the kingdom is to understand the totality of truth and responsibility in the answer Jesus gives. If the band could come up, that'd be awesome. See, we need to ask ourselves, what's our intent when we come to Jesus? Because the appropriate response is to hear the truth that he says and to be drawn to that truth and have a hunger and a desire to pursue the truth. And when you do, it just brings you to Jesus. Because if you notice after these instances, there was no more questioning. That's it. That's all they had. They walked away after Jesus answered that one. Except the guys that stuck around to get sprayed. Because <laughs> Jesus went hard in Matthew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your God, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul with all your mind and with all, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. When faced with the truth and the way, the only correct response is to embrace it with all that we have. And let me tell you, the greatest commandment is a commitment to the radical lifestyle of the kingdom. There is no sides. There is no our way. There is no bare minimum. There is only surrender. There is only surrender. And in that surrender, the old is gone, the new has come, and all that I have is His. Therefore, all that I am is His. All my time. All my energy, all my resource. I think I said it last week, but offering is not how much of my money am I giving to God. It's how much of God's money am I keeping this week. We've got to understand kingdom. Not just golden ticket into heaven. 
Because we're called to be ambassadors on this earth, now, here. We can't sidestep this. And like we saw in Luke, it's not enough to know it. We have to do it. It can't just be head knowledge. It's not enough. Do these things and you will live. In the distractions of life and the busyness of life, I believe that many have defaulted to want to stick to how things have always been done to the detriment of the move of God in and through our lives. Others have defaulted to finding the bare minimum. But friends, there is no bare minimum in the kingdom of heaven. This morning, let's reposition ourselves. We have to come and surrender. And whether you're joining us online or you're here in this room, we're gonna take a moment to realign ourselves to what it means to surrender. To surrender everything and say, God, you have given me eternal life through what your son did on the cross. We sung about it before. And because of that, I need to come back to you. I need to realign where I'm going. I don't just wanna sit in cruise control anymore and, and not be bothered by where you're actually leading me. I, I, wanna, I wanna be attentive. I wanna know where you're leading. I, I don't wanna disguise fear and, and, and apathy as wisdom anymore. I wanna listen to you. Touch my heart. That's my prayer this morning. Why don't we close our eyes all across this place? And if you've never heard anything like this, there is an open invite from our Heavenly Father to come back into relationship with Him. And we can only do it through what Jesus did on the cross the perfect sacrifice that died and rose again so that we could live, but we have to give up everything for it. And so if in this place you can feel your, or if you're joining us online, you can feel your heart starting to move and you just, you know that He's calling you. You know that something's shifting in your spirit. Why don't you just indicate to me right now and just lift up your hand. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. If there's anyone in this place, Awesome. If you're joining us online, let me pray. Father, you see every person that has a hunger to know you, to, to seek the truth. And I thank you that when we seek the truth, we will find it and we will find it in your son, Jesus. So today I pray that you would just nudge each and every person here that little bit closer to finding you. And I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in the fullness of your truth. And while every eye is still closed in this place, maybe you know that you need to surrender to Him now fully. No compartmentalizing, no picking and choosing, but fully. All, all, all. It is all His and we need to make sure we surrender it to Him. And if that's you in this place, I, I wanna challenge you in a moment to actually take the faith step and stand up. And if you're online, I want you to just focus in for a moment. Stop making pancakes. And take a moment to respond to this if you know this is you. But as every eye is still closed in this place and you wanna make a statement that this year you are surrendering everything. 
You're giving it all to Him. You're recognising that it's all His. You're recognising that you no longer live for you, you live for Him, which by extension means you live for those around you. And if that's you in this place and you just want to say, God, I surrender this morning. I don't care how long you've been coming to church, how long you've been in a relationship with Jesus. This is a challenge to start a fresh year with a fresh revelation of what our call is on this planet here right now. If that's you in this place, I want you to stand. Don't hesitate. I want you to stand. Come on. We're going to pray. If that's you in this place, you're saying, I need to make sure, I need to recheck in my spirit that I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you all that I am. I'm not giving you halves anymore. I'm not closing off that part of my life anymore, but I'm coming back to you. Holy Spirit, right now, you see the desires of these people's hearts, the willingness to surrender to you. And for all those joining online, I pray that your peace would fall upon them. Lord, we don't want this to just be another message of some guy standing up on stage and yelling at us, but Father, we want to hear from you this morning. We want to give it to you this morning. So I pray that there would be a fresh revelation of what it means to truly be aligned to your will, truly be aligned to your work.